the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for everything that I have in my life, and thanks for the fact that people actually listen to me. I do appreciate it. Um, if there's anything that you want me to make or create to help you listen more effectively or in your world, let me know. I am trying to pull together an app that ties together a lot of media, including some historical stuff that's valuable in you know the perspective of time. Um, Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com or rob at robblackshow.com. So I effectively grew up at the right time, and I was at the right place to understand technology. When I was four, uh, there was an Atari game system called the Atari 2600 that came out. And the games weren't very good. The games were, quite honestly, dreadful. Um, you remember video games from 40 years ago? They weren't good. 40 years you know, you're talking about things like Pong, and there was a tank driving game where the tank was in a maze, and you had to try to hunt down someone and shoot them and try to get them at a funny angle, and sometimes the bullets would bounce off the walls. It's something that I really, I think I was at the right time to get it, and that helped my tech investing in the 1990s, and um, I think I have the ability to tell a decent story or to try to figure out, you know, what stories mean and why, why we're important. To us, um, one of the areas that I find fascinating is like trying to continue to do this. So I feel blessed that I get the chance to do what I'm doing. Yesterday, uh, and this could this story could be five years ago. It could be five years from now. CBS is getting ready to reboot Star Trek. It's a huge strategic win for Netflix. Now, space, the final frontier, is a win for Netflix. Why? First and foremost, it shows you that networks don't know what's going on. CBS is a great network. They're the Tiffany network. And they're going to reboot Star Trek. 
aren't they the company that came out with some really blockbuster shows in the last few years? Everybody loves Raymond, Big Bang Theory. I think they even had Two and a Half Men, right? So CBS is going to sink time and resources into Star Trek, which is going to allow Netflix the ability to pursue new original shows that CBS is passing on. I think 2016 is going to be the year that we peak on how many shows are developed and sold. CBS is going to be doing a streaming service, which is a nod towards, guess who? Netflix. So it's lowering itself to the same level as Netflix, wiping out one of its big advantages, a channel-fed straight into your home on a cable box or through satellite signals or through air signals. The Star Trek movie reboots have been enormous financial successes, so you can't blame CBS executives for scratching their head and go, why don't we do this? They come up with a new show, they run it out for six or seven seasons, they uh, come up with a couple movies tied towards it, makes total sense. But not only will CBS distribute the show through traditional broadcast TV, but it's also going to stream the show on its CBS All Access, which is kind of an in-house Netflix offering. It's going to give users access to, you know, live CBS and archive shows for $5.99 a month. So in terms of media strategy, there's two things going on here, and both are ultimately wins for Netflix. The first is that the economics of nostalgia and repetition have proved reliable for movie studios over the past several years. And as a result, we've seen a healthy dose of remade classic movies or sequels of recent hits. And now that trend's coming to TV. I saw that Mark Wahlberg's going to star in this $6 billion man movie next year. Um, they're upgrading it from $6 million to $6 billion to obviously show you the, the effects of inflation over time. CBS is and should be confident that the Star Trek show is going to do well. Um, they've got the expense of it covered easily. Um, but will it be the next Big Bang Theory or Everybody Loves Raymond? No, because it's a reboot. So that gives smaller studios the ability to take bigger financial risks, like Netflix, the chance to acquire projects that are going unmade by entrenched, entrenched players. I mean, think of shows like uh, House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. They would never have been created and done as well as they were if they had to go through typical network TV. Same thing with Breaking Bad, right? Netflix plans to spend a lot of money next year. $5 billion alone in original content. That means there's going to be some pretty good shows coming to Netflix. Why is this a win for Netflix? Because Netflix can outspend at this point in time. They've got people paying $8.99 a month. Um, and then they own that. So on broadcast TV, you'll see a lot of reruns of Friends. You'll see a lot of reruns of uh, Seinfeld. Not very original. And that's the business model that Netflix got into originally. They did a lot of TV shows. They bought the rights to stream old episodes. Now, Netflix could eventually see the core appeal of its business fall apart. So to preempt that shift of using old shows, which are available everywhere, Netflix has made you know, brand new good stuff of their own. They want to be more like HBO. So if you look at it that way, CBS decisions to invest in original content that isn't exactly original makes Netflix value proposition as an original content studio exactly what Netflix wants. So Netflix announced it would increase the price of their most popular streaming from $8.99 to $9.99 a month. The company also expects that at the end of the year, it'll have about 74 million users. 
but clearly the company doesn't think it's the next leg of price increases or user growth is going to be driven by people who want to rewatch Breaking Bad. It's going to be by people who want to watch original shows. There's only one reason I pay for HBO, and it's Game of Thrones. Now, some years there's like, oh, there's three things on uh, HBO. There's that Larry David show, really funny. Like, that might come back, and I'll be like, ah, that's a nice throw-in. But I hate paying for ESPN on my cable channels. I hate paying for HBO. And what Netflix is doing makes me it feel so much more right. Now, HBO has also separated itself and has its own app, HBO Go, or HBO Now. Um, so you're seeing that. So they're trying to get away from the cable packages. In the future of the bundled world, there's going to be apps for CBS, probably combined with some Viacom channels. There's going to be an app for ABC plus Disney channels, either with or without ESPN. There's going to be an app for Discovery Networks, which will include channels like Discovery, TLC, and Animal Planet. And all of them will be $6.99 to $9.99, somewhere in that range. And you can start seeing where you're going to be building your own bundle. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings kind of sketched out what this could look like on the company's latest earnings call when he talked to Recodes, Peter Kafka, that these type of apps could emerge over the next five to ten years, adding that I think everyone is just racing to make a great app like Netflix, like HBO Now, those things. So they have a differentiated suite, and they're not rebooting. They're getting us intrigued by what others won't take chances on, which are the edgiest shows out there. So a few things might be more dependable than a rebooted version of Star Trek and a half dozen NFL games each week. But the attractiveness of CBS's bundle isn't what matters to Netflix. What matters to Netflix at this point in the cycle is that the other content creators and distributors are starting to play the game their way. Congratulations to Netflix. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Apple started selling their new Apple TV, I think, on Monday. What's interesting to note this is there's a strap for the remote control that you don't have to buy, but it's useful. How much do you think this strap costs? How much do you think Apple's strap costs for the, the TV so you don't actually accidentally throw your remote when you're playing a game? Because it's kind of like a, a poor man's Xbox as well. $13 for a strap. Are you crazy? Well, you know how much those watch bands make versus the watch? That's where the money is. Holy mackerel. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Talk a little do-re-mi in money with Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP. Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Great. So let's talk about the small stuff. In yeah. financials arena, 
don't sweat the small stuff. Should you sweat the small stuff or don't sweat the small stuff? Well, yeah, and this is really in terms of estate planning because the stuff in the middle is pretty easy to deal with. Pretty straightforward, right? What's the middle? You know, your your basic wealth. Okay. If you if you have a living trust and you're titling the house the right way, your retirement accounts, your taxable accounts, your taxable accounts get titled into the name of the trust, which is still your social security number. There's no tax cut for doing that. It just bypasses probate. But it's kind of the big things and the and the really little things. The big things are meaning that if you're a single person, you're over 5.34 million now. You have an estate tax problem. Okay. Married, 10.68, right? Okay. So it's those problems and then the ones, the little ones. It's it's the things that catch an estate up for the longest period of time, like what to do with mom's wedding ring when she passes. Keep it. Well, pocket who, who gets to keep it? it. There's Pawn there's it. three daughters. Who gets no. to keep it? Right. How about you cut it off her dead hand and sell it? Well, Is that know, the right answer? You know the story on that one. So. I do know the story yeah, on that one. I told that a million times between my uh, for my aunt and my my uh, great aunt died, and my mom's sister wanted to pull the wedding ring off the finger. Who does? Who at death? Like who, like who wants that? The body's still warm, and they want to pull the. And she asked my mom to do it. Is, <laughs> so, do you think that's romantic? Because I I clearly don't care about rings. And, like, if my dad died with his college football ring on, I'd be like, eh, I'd go to the grave with him. Yeah. So do you think – see, I'm not romantic. Do you think you have to be romantic to want memorabilia like that? You do. I think there's a little bit of narcissism involved. So when I see this in families, it, it always comes back down to uh, the people that you would say, okay, that, that's kind of a narcissistic person. Maybe they're, you know, on Facebook doing selfies all the time. Have you heard this whole Facebook selfie and the, the mental disorder that comes along with it? If if you point to all the, the problems, it's usually those people that are a bit narcissistic that always believe that they had the closer relationship with mom or dad or the aunt. Those are the ones that put up the huge fights that hold up estates for years at a time for a small item. The, you know, piece of furniture, Christmas ornaments. Um, there was one where it was a, a wealthy family that liked to hunt, and it was a... a Oh, it, some sort of a grinder that ground meat. Sausage, yeah. yeah, sausage grinder. Um, that was a nine-month process to f- figure out who got that instead of just continuing to share they, it like they always had. And they couldn't go to Cabela's and get their own. <laughs> exactly. Which but is, it, it was passed down multiple generations, so instead of just keeping it in the family and, and keeping it in one spot or transferring it from one place to the other, where they all hunt in the same place anyway, instead they no longer talk because of one stupid item. So the opposite of your story is my story is my mother, she's getting up there in age. She should be dead, but she's been living with a stroke for 15 years. Um, I was like, can I have your rocking chair and can I have your frying pan? And she said, yeah. And I, that's my estate. That's her, that's her estate planning with me. Yeah. And I'll let my brothers, you know, what if they want to fight over it, fight over whatever they want to fight over. Money, possessions, house. I don't want any of it. I got I got my childhood memory of my mom's frying pan. <laughs> I remember walking into my stepmother's grand, my stepmother's house in Black Butte, Oregon, and we, we went in there for our annual summer trip, and there were sticky notes all over everything, and it had a person's name on it. Oh no! And she was she, she was getting older. Yeah, it's morbid. It was pretty morbid. Yeah. Because we were all there, and she'd kind of forgotten that she'd done it. <laughs> so there were sticky notes all over all these items. And uh, I'm like, my name's not on anything. <laughs> Did you start writing chat and replacing sticky notes? <laughs> exactly. Or the one near the safe, the one on the car. It was stuff that really wasn't worth a lot anyways. But Did we cover what we needed to cover? Well, it is the small stuff. So, you know, you can have a living trust and you deal with the bigger things, but you also have to think about the smaller things. Okay. The wedding rings, the smaller things that you can, you know, have a letter along with your will and trust 
Um, me, I'm just going to say sell everything, liquidate it, split the cash. Yeah, and that's what I think is the smart thing to do because mm-hmm. I've seen families destroyed over one grandfather that I know gave the granddaughter a lot but gave his son nothing and then gave his daughter everything but gave the granddaughter nothing. Yeah. And they all hate each other. And, and, and keeping a track of these family items, you get families where they get a loan for a house for one daughter and then not for the son, and then those things don't get you know, written yeah. Yeah, down, and so people get angry at the end. Yeah, I've seen that one too. And it's like, okay, so I'm going to get mom's house, but you get $200,000 now. They go off and spend that 200000 and they're bitter that they didn't get the house. Yeah. Yeah. Get everything in writing and be respectful and about it. And give a lot while you're alive. You kind of get a lot of... Yeah, it, you go it with feels a charitable good. angle. Yeah, feels good. Feeling good, charitable angle. What are you trying to make up for? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Fast lives? I don't know. <laughs> I think you did something in high school or college that you don't want to admit. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, with that being said, you could. that's Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a CFP. Um, check out his website. There's a lot of great downloads there, New Focus Financial. And I'm Rob Black, talking money investing and more. How about this for a mistake? Under Armour just released a line of Star Wars clothes, and I like Under Armour. They just released a line of Star Wars clothes, and yeah, they're pretty stylish. I, I'm buying into it. I get it. Um, but the problem is they're not going to include women. What up with that? So they got lines for men. They got lines for boys. They don't have anything doing for women. I would call that a pretty big miss, all things considered. Um, Google has come out and said, we're going to start delivering packages with drones sometime in 2017. David Voss, who's the leader of Alphabet's Project Wing, uh, said his company is in talks with the Federal Aviation Administration and other stakeholders about setting up an air traffic control system for drones that would use cellular and Internet technology to coordinate unmanned aerial vehicle flights at altitudes under 500 feet. They want to have a commercial business up and running in 2017. Now, yesterday, you know, we had a lot of talk about uh, Airbnb and the sharing economy and Uber, uh, the sharing economy, uh, along with Lyft, where you can, you know, have a car, you can suddenly be a cab driver. Have a house, you can suddenly be a hotel owner. Um, I think you get the idea... How about drones? How pissed off are we going to be about drones when they start taking people's jobs? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So an article today in the Wall Street Journal about Facebook. Facebook is prodding users to share a bit more because the amount of new content posted has slipped, leaving the social network to try to figure out what's going on. People are posting less often. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with this, um, Briefing.com. I almost blew that one with Briefing.com. How are you, Pat? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, I brought up the Facebook story only because right now they're the dominant gorilla. They're the social media story, but posting is starting to slip. doesn't mean anything about the stock. I don't want you to comment on that. But talk about how things sometimes change, and uh, sometimes they slip, and sometimes we have to, to change our opinions, whether it's an industry, a sector, a, a stock, whether it's an indicator, whether it's inflation. Let's talk about slippage, per se. Yeah, well, it is true. I mean, the the one constant is change, and I think that uh, what you have to do is take a step back and evaluate um, the trends that you see unfolding, right? So what I really am driving at is that you can't look at one month uh, and conclude that, uh, or one quarter versus a prior quarter and, and conclude that the whole uh, story has been, you know, shifted permanently. Um, you need to look at you know several months, several quarters to to follow those trends and see if there is uh, something more significant availing itself. Um, and particularly when you get against when you come up against companies and economic data and things like that that have been showing some you know real good strength for an extended period of time, um, comparisons get more difficult. You know, um, conditions change uh, sometimes that these companies really have no control over, uh, and you see some weakening in their numbers. But uh, it's probably just a short-term blip in many cases, and because when those conditions change back for the better, uh, well-managed companies then can resume their their growth. But you do have to watch out for companies that have have. Um, shown such tremendous growth and are facing, you know, difficult comparisons, the law of large numbers and so forth. So, but keep in mind that don't just look at one quarter, don't look at just one month, look at uh, multiple periods. What are you seeing right now in the current market? I, today, my big thing is the auto sales look good, therefore the U.S. economy looks good. I'm extrapolating a huge amount, uh, but that's that's my story of the day. What's your story of the day? Yeah, <laughs> Well, um, I'll touch on your point about auto sales. There's no question they've been, you know, extremely good. Um, I thought it was really curious uh, on Monday that Ford came out with a really aggressive incentive program, um, which is peculiar because uh, typically you don't see those types of uh, aggressive moves uh, made in really hot markets where demand is strong. And it either suggests to me that perhaps Ford sees some weakening in its own demand and or it's just trying to grab, you know, market share back, right? Uh, but typically moves like that are, are often met with um, competitors uh, matching or looking to retain their market share. So I, I worry about a little bit of uh, creative marketing destruction in the auto sector these days that almost kind of could potentially rival some of that creative destruction we've seen in the airline industry, uh, which was going so well, and they kind of got full of themselves, if you will, and and ramped up capacity and, you know, and therefore lost some pricing power, and now 
the airlines seem to be fighting it out uh, these days, and it hasn't been all that great for their stocks. Um, so something to keep an eye on there. But um, in a broader sense, what I'm looking at in the market right now is I think you're seeing a, uh, a real uh, growing sense of complacency, frankly, um, in this idea that uh, the market can do no wrong, uh, knowing that it's got the Fed uh, and the central banks at its back. And uh, you just see that can, you know, uh, reflected in the price action uh, that isn't really lining up um, consistently with the economic data and some generally soft earnings data uh, and earnings guidance. And um, I'm not uh, too excited by what I'm seeing at the moment, only because I think it's uh, gotten carried away. Okay, anything else that you're focusing on right now? Uh, China's GDP, are you looking at Europe? Are they starting to grow? What's, what's the thoughts in your head? Sure. Well, I, look at, I do look at things from top-down perspective, so I always get that macro picture in mind, and it goes right to exactly what I was just saying, is that, you know, you have, um, you know, China's uh, growth is, is obviously slowing. They're tempering their, uh, their forecasts there. Um, Europe is stabilizing, but uh, clearly still has some, you know, plenty of uh, systemic or, um, issues, structural issues there that are preventing a, um, you know, uh, the economy's there from gaining any sense of, you know, real pricing power. And um, and so that's not terrific by any means. The U.S. is doing okay, but still has plenty of room for improvement. And, um, you know, so from a broader mar- macro standpoint, I think things are, are okay at best, but they're certainly not uh, as inspiring, I think, as the recent market gains would suggest. Taking a look at earnings season, we're not quite through it yet, but we're getting more than halfway through. What's your take on corporate America's earnings? Well, you know, per usual, they've come in better than expected, right? We play this game every quarter. The analysts lower their numbers way too far, and the companies come in, and they beat these lowered expectations, so everyone cheers those results. This is a unique quarter uh, because everyone's happy about the results, but they're happy by the, you know, the fact that S&P 500 earnings are only declining you know, 1.7% now as opposed to approximately 5% uh, projected at the start of the reporting period. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's okay, but um, I'm not, you know, wild about the idea that everyone's cheering an actual earnings decline. And then on top of that, you've had fourth quarter uh, projections come down during this reporting period. Uh, so at the beginning of October, you know, fourth quarter earnings were expected to decline 0.5%. They're now expected to be down 3.2%. You know what's going to happen, Rob? Come uh, you know mid-January, if that number's at minus 3.2 percent, we'll probably be talking about how everyone's happy that you know earnings are flat. You know, and that's just right. kind of how things work out. So, um, so I'm not seeing a whole lot of the strength, if you will, in the uh, earnings picture at the moment. What do you think about the federal government, though? Like, this is where it gets kind of tricky, and just trying to talk to my friends when it comes to money. I'm like, you just have to invest. I'm like, no, I'm afraid. I'm like, no, 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 you have to invest. You have to get max out the 401k, get some diversification, because there always seems to be something. We go up seven out of 10 years. We hit all-time highs, I think, six out of 10 years. I, like our government just uh, announced a new budget where we're going to be spending more money. We're kind of reversing the let's tighten our belts a little bit approach. Now it's like, let's throw coal in the fire. Um the government's going to spend more money next year. That should help our economy. In theory. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. I mean, it's it, it's something that um, 
you know, is you can look at as, um, you know, I guess say that it's a, it's a potential point of strength, right, uh, as it relates to GDP um, growth expectations if the government's going to be outspending more. So obviously there's another side of that argument where, you know, you're probably going to end up, you know, uh, boosting the, you know, the debt and, you know, uh, because of it. So, um, so there's always another side of the story, but in the short term, it seems to be helpful. I think that uh, for the first time in a long time, we can probably, you know, I go so far as to say you can almost compliment Congress here having gotten that uh, budget agreement done. At least it's somewhat of a sign of a, of a functional government that you can reach that agreement, and then you take the whole debt ceiling issue off the table uh, until after the election. So we're not going to have to worry uh, too much about those two factors here in the over the near term. But um, so, yeah, you know, net-net, uh, I think in the short term it is a positive, uh, and it's something that the market seems to be grasping onto here, that it doesn't have to worry about that that, that congressional overhang of, of not getting anything done at a very uh, contentious point. There's been a lot of talk about inversions, uh, and to me, when a corporation says we're going to buy an Irish company and move our headquarters to Ireland so we pay a lower tax rate, to me, that feels like we just complimented Congress. Now let's let's slap them back yeah. down and say they should really change the rules and stop this from happening, make it more pro-business in America. I'm not going Republican on you. I'm not doing anything like that, uh, but our Congress does not seem to understand corporate law, and it, that's just from yeah. a distance. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, they clearly uh, there's there's lots of rooms for improvement in the in the whole tax code, um, and uh, you, you need someone to jump in and start start dealing with it. But you're right. You know, if we talk about you know we worry about the deficit and getting out of hand and not collecting enough tax revenue to help keep that from happening, well, there's ways to cl- close some of those loopholes, I, I suppose. Um, you know, what these companies are doing, we should note, is not illegal. It's it's, it's allowed. Um, and you know, some might say it's somewhat of a, of a prudent approach, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily uh, one you can uh, cheer in some respects, um, uh, as a, uh, you know, being a U.S. citizen here. Um, but anyhow, yeah, there's there's plenty of room for improvement there, and there's uh, potential upside if you know Congress can you know somehow make it more attractive to do business uh, for U.S. businesses here. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. Top-notch human being, top-notch analyst, gives a great perspective on the markets, does it in a way that doesn't freak you out, um, doesn't talk down to you, which I feel is one of the big problems on Wall Street at times. It's kind of uh, a lot of hoity-toity financial planners, financial analysts, uh, uh, mutual fund managers who thinks they're, you know, they're all that in a bucket of chicken when, hey... Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken just opened up a $16 all-you-can-eat buffet in China. Go figure that one out. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Facebook's chief technology officer just told him attendees at a web summit that Facebook is about to begin real-world testing of its new system to deliver broadband internet globally via solar-powered planes that stay in space for three months at a time communicating with lasers. Okay, that's kind of cool. You know, on occasion, I could say that's kind of cool. Facebook first began talking about its Aquila planes for delivering internet coverage to remote or poor areas of the developing world earlier this year. Today, the chief technology officer gave us a few more details about the development of this fleet. Each plane is incredibly light, and its engines will be powered by solar panels. Uh, A full-scale version of the aircraft is now fully constructed, and uh, it's undergoing flight tests uh, very, very soon. Uh, The planes will receive broadband signals from the nearest city with internet service beamed up via laser. Each plane will then be able to transmit and share the signals to any other plane in the network. The engineering challenge is the plane's lasers are aimed over 11 miles, which is the equivalent of a laser pointer trying to hit a, uh, a penny. Um, you know, from a distance, and uh, it's moving, <laughs> that penny. So not only that, but lasers must be aimed through the, an environment affected by heat, by dust, by temperature differences, and all those things bend light, i.e. lasers. Uh, Facebook expects to be able to deliver tens of gigabytes, ten times better than existing solutions. Uh, so that's what they got going on over there. Do you remember? Okay, I'm 40 plus. Do you remember when uh, lasers were kind of cool? Like when you were, st- st- I mean, they came around in my lifetime. They didn't, I mean, they were probably developed well before my lifetime, for sure. But they kind of started becoming industrial or commercial in my lifetime. Ho, 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 who wouldn't it go? Ho, 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 who wouldn't it go? Santa Claus rally. My boss just asked me, what's going on with this stock market? Just a couple weeks ago, it was at 16000 Now it's over 18000 and I'm like, it's earnings season. We're kind of getting comfortable with the Fed. China didn't completely fall apart. But it's also Santa Claus rally, end of the year. Um, so Dow's at 17920 almost 18000 And uh, I feel comfortable with that. So I think we're going to have a, a nice rally at the end of the year. Um, over 70% of companies on the SP 500 have beat earnings expectations. Again, they were lowered. Um, of the 10 sectors in the SP 500, a few stand out. The big winners so far to date are telecom, healthcare, and consumer staples. Those sectors reported more beats uh, percentage of their total companies than others in the index of the SP 500. Um, you know, a big October rally, it could have people chasing. Historically, when October is up over 5%, November and December end up being even higher than normal, with the average being about 5.5%. Woohoo! This could be a positive end of the year. Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? By the time Christmas rolls around, you're going to hate me because I play up into the whole Peanuts, Halloween, um, the great, you know, the great Santa Claus rally, the end of the year rally. I play into it. So how much are we spending? How much are we spending? Um, Amazon's adding paternity leave, more paid time off for mothers. Good. Um, that's a job perk, and companies have to do that. They have to now. Um, 
And I was speaking at a visa conference not too long ago, and I kind of talked about that very same thought that companies are going to have to, you know, your HR perks are going to get better. Um, because right now unemployment's trending lower. Uh, Friday's unemployment numbers could be big. Big, 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 big. Um, and if you take a look at the auto numbers today, Americans are buying cars, which means we're confident. I'm not buying a car yet. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about getting it in 2018. <laughs> can, I, can I drive my car that much longer? I am so embarrassed of my car. I am so, so embarrassed. Uh, but I'll live with that embarrassment. I'll wear it as a badge of shame, right? Uh, big event coming up. Wealth Management and Retirement Planning event. Palo Alto Elks Lodge, Thursday evening, 6.30 to 9. Um, I'd love to see you out there. I'm going to talk market conditions, favorite sectors. It's going to be Wealth Management and Retirement Planning. So it's really, ideally, if you're 40 plus heading towards retirement, um, you'll leave with a lot more information about it. The price-weighted Dow has been underpinned by solid gains with influential components like Goldman Sachs, IBM, and Apple all higher. Apple has quietly snuck back up to $122. Chevron, ExxonMobil have held respective gains. Both continue showing strength after reporting better-than-expected results on Friday. United Healthcare is the weakest Dow component, trading down 1.5%. Um, the biotech index was weaker a little bit earlier today. Nothing really to get upset about. Um, you don't have to go out and own hundreds and hundreds of stocks and funds. If you wanted to own just five, you could probably do it with Vanguard Total Stock Market Index, the Vanguard FTSE All World X United States Index. Uh, the first ticker is VTI, the second ticker VEU, the third Vanguard Emerging Markets, VWO. Um, the fourth would be some sort of bond index um, and that's all you have to have. I would also throw in like a Vanguard small cap value, VSIAX, ticker some of VBR. So VTI, VBR, VEU, VWO, and VCIT. Um, that's a good start. I mean, that's a really good start. But then you're going to have to get the balances of them right. And, you know, I say start early and, you know, continue to fund that kind of stuff because I think it pays off for you in the long run. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Don't forget, i got that big event coming up tomorrow night. Um, I hope all's going well. And um, so the big Thursday night event, Thursday night event coming up. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It's Wealth Management and Retirement Planning. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, have a good day. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. I'm out there. Talk to you soon. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.